0: You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every
1: day. Good evening, everybody. Jeff Floyd here for your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound on Locked On Browns. Um, whether it's Alexa or Surrey, guys, just, hey, play podcast, Locked On Browns. They will run you up the latest and freshest episode of Locked On Browns. Uh, you know, as we get older, we can get lazier with all the technology probably doing not doing to uh you know helping for any of us with kids like myself in that regards um but hey it's it is it's technology it's where we're at um guys uh, I appreciate all the feedback uh, on the mock draft uh, mock draft episodes uh like uh, when Pete says it and I say it, this is fun for us because the, you know we can plant flags here on certain guys and things of that nature and we'll see how it plays over for a year or two whether they end up being browns or not obviously but, you know, this is, you know, we enjoy this aspect of the year. And, you know, for some guys, some some of you who don't understand, you know, how football is a 365-day-a-year business, it truly is. Um, today, um, we're going to start doing some combine positional previews. Um, and with the news on Marquise Hollywood Brown out of Oklahoma, obviously, you know, with the Baker connection, um, with the fact that the guy can get vertical, and with the, you know, hiring of Munkin, and obviously the promotion of Freddie Kitchens, he's been a popular name here in Cleveland Brown circles. Um, uh, a Liz frank surgery that apparently he just had. He still will be attending the Combine. He will be able to do everything, but obviously participate in the drills. Whether or not, it, and me and Pete were just talking about this, it, it seems a little strange. I mean, it, maybe this was the injury in December. Um, sometimes injuries get misdiagnosed, uh, but it does seem that almost two full months later, the the injury is being addressed. I mean, it doesn't matter. If he needed the Liz frank surgery in December, he still wouldn't be working out. Maybe he'd make a pro day. He wouldn't be making the combine. Um, for me, I you know, if there was a chance for him to go round one, I think this may that may hurt him in this respect. I don't know if he's going to see round one right now because um, there could be some guys who go in indie and show very well. And you always want to be the hotter name getting later to the draft. You don't want to kind of be the name. They, it, part of this is Nick Bosa. Uh, a lot of people. Don't know where they are on Nick Bosa. You want to know why? Because nobody's really heard or seen Nick Bosa play, you know, do anything football-wise now in in four months. So you want to be trending upward. You don't want to just kind of fall into non-existence with the draft cycle. And Pete, uh, this is kind of where we are here with Marquise Hollywood-Brown.
0: Right. Um it's a you know it's one of those things you don't know if 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 this was the injury he he got uh at the end of the year and if he was told basically they would try to recoup it uh with rest and stuff like that and you know it didn't work the way they you know hoped and then decided to have the surgery or if this is a injury he suffered in training uh to get ready for the the draft and and then this happens and Unfortunately, he has the surgery. I mean, it's not a big deal as far as athletic testing. He's fast. I mean, I don't think there's any question of that. I think most of the questions are actually going to be on the scale um, and how much he actually weighs. Um, Which could help
1: sure. him between now and the time that when he ends up getting drafted. I mean, he's not going to be able to do much else. So if there's any chance to really work on your upper body and, and put on some good weight in that way, that's all he's really going to be able to do for the next two to three months anyway.
0: Sure, um, I'm not sure. I, I I totally see him out of the first round. We get like we did the mock draft. We gave him to the Packers. Philip again, Dorsett. It,
1: Philip Dorsett went round one and didn't bring nearly to the table what this
0: kid does. Right. So you know, again, he's fast. You're not worried about that. Now it's a question: Are you worried about the health? That becomes a new question. Uh, with the injury and and is he going to be healthy and all that and obviously he'll go back to uh, the combine medical recheck uh, right before the draft and stuff like that and and maybe that will give you know teams more confidence or you know less confidence depending on what they they find out there um, I, I I'm not sure it really changes anything I, you know I never bought the top fifteen talk anyway no. um, so Re- receivers I, with his build do not go that early and 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 the, you know it's it's a competitive enough group that maybe somebody jumps ahead of him. The the thing that helps him um, is that he does have a very unique skill set in what he does. I mean, he's a Deshaun Jackson clone. That's you know that's very valuable to certain teams, and that's why you know we get I gave him to the Packers. It seems like something you could use. I mean, if, if you're saying you love DK Metcalf, you're not really. Putting those guys side by side, unless you're just saying we want a receiver, we don't care which one. So his uniqueness may save him in terms of draft position, but it's it's difficult to say. It, it's just um, it sucks that you know the kid's unhealthy, and you know you hope it doesn't linger on. Where you know they're saying he's supposed to be ready by camp and stuff like that. You know you don't really know, uh, and and you hope there's not like a setback where now he's missing you know, into in missing rookie mini camps or potentially missing, you know, those 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 practice reps that could potentially set him back and not have him ready for the season. And that can be somewhat of a guessing game and you've got to trust your medical staff with that. But it's, you know, it's just it's it's that time of year for this stuff to happen, unfortunately, and, and it's just another player sort of down that you won't get to see that you'd like to see.
1: Yeah, and it's you know it's part of it. Nobody wants it to go this way. Everybody wants their draft cycle to go perfect. Um, but there's always, I mean, we're to the point now. It's usually 10 to 15 kids a year that are affected. Um, where it maybe does hurt him. Look, um, if you you know does, does Hollywood Brown run a four three five, eh? I mean a four three five forty, eh? It's probably pretty possible. Um, what could hurt him is a couple of guys that no one's expecting to who like their tape. And oh my God. They put up really, really good times, and they kind of become like the new flavor of the week, which could hurt him in that respect. Um, and look, anything—if you're going to take a guy, you know, and if you want to say at worst he goes top 45, and this is based on everything you know up until this point, the injury, you expect a return on that invest investment. Um, if he's standing around most of camp in shorts and a t-shirt. You know, it puts a lot of pressure on the kid because he wants to be out there performing. It puts a lot of pressure on the team because obviously they had thoughts on him performing. It puts a lot of pressure on every, everybody in the whole situation. So, I mean, you know, the injury is key. Hopefully you can get, you know, a good, you know, uh, well visit when he goes back, uh, you know, mid to late April to, you know, meet with the doctors there. Um, but this isn't, you know, this injury has hurt some guys. It it kind of took some of the, you know, some of the burst out of Des Bryant. Hakeem Nix, this was part of what was his undoing as well. So, I mean, it's an injury that does bring some question. Um, The the timing just seems odd, and, you know, that's it. But, I mean, this is it. I mean, we're going to find out, you know, over the next seven, eight days, we're going to hear a couple more kids that aren't going to be able to go for one reason or another. But, uh, you know, how can Hollywood Brown help himself himself out right now? Whatever he weighs in when he shows up, uh, I guess it'll be next Saturday if wide receivers work out Sunday. Whatever weight you are that day, when you go back in April – find some way to put on 10 pounds of muscle, man, that, because that's probably one thing people have concerns about with his game is just that he's a little bit frail. Um, got a couple of the bigger schools here with three wide receivers present, and I guess with DK Metcalf kind of being the headliner and the one everybody wants to see at this point, I guess we can start with the the uh, Old Miss, uh, whether it is obviously uh, A.J. Brown, whether it is obviously the star in show currently, DK Metcalf, uh, whether it is DeMarcus Loge, um, weird with these three because Old Miss, you know, along with the tight end, they have you shouldn't suck this bad when you had this many guys who were capable. I mean, because it's the first thing that scratched my head. The, the Old Miss has three wide receivers at the NFL Combine. They couldn't do anything. I mean, granted, Metcalf missed some time, but what the hell are you doing down there if you got these type of these types of talents and you can't do a goddamn thing with it?
0: Right, uh, and you know, and and despite the fact that. You know, you have three receivers. They all have significant questions. Um, Obviously, uh, with Metcalf, it's the medical. But now, because he missed so much time and he's got about 1,200 yards receiving for his career, this is a big week for him. Uh, You know, assuming he's going to test. His testing results are going to be super important. Is he going to be fast? Is he going to be able to... To, to show you the the agility and, and stuff that would suggest he's able to separate that, those are big. AJ Brown is the most productive of the group and and his tape is very impressive. How fast is he? Is he
1: that seems to be the one? Every everyone I talked to seems to say I wouldn't be stunned if I heard four six.
0: Right, and 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 if, if if that's what he is, then he suddenly becomes more of an Anquan Bolden type, which is you know certainly had a very good career. But where do you where would you draft that? Good, um,
1: good Anquan Bolden. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Well, I mean, you know, he, he had a hell of a career. No, but, but that's what I'm saying. But I mean,
1: that's yeah. what you're putting him at as an athlete. So it's going to raise questions. I mean, not everyone with those measurements is going to be able to give you the career that Anquan Bolden did.
0: Right. So, you know, that, that that's, this is big for him. And then DeMarcus Lodge, you know, clearly the, the third fiddle of this group in terms of production and hype and all that stuff. You know, this becomes an opportunity for him to sort of get out there and make some noise. Uh, I don't think he participated in any of the All Star games, so you know there's a little bit of out of sight, out of mind with him. So this becomes, you know, not only in testing but drills. This becomes his his opportunity to to, to remind you that, oh yeah, I'm here. That you know, the, the, because Ole Miss has four skill players that are going to be, um, you know, popular whether they all deserve it or not. You know, whatever. But between those three receivers and then the tight end Dawson Knox, there's a lot of attention being thrown at Ole Miss. So this becomes your opportunity to sort of sn- snatch some of that and say, "Remember me," uh, and, and, and get a little more shine going for Lodge's way.
1: Exactly. I mean, he's uh, he runs good routes. It seems catch he catches almost everything thrown to him. But now it's put where it's you want to separate with uh, you know you don't want to be one of the Ole Miss four. You want your name to shine. Um, Metcalf, look, I mean, if there's an, any event that's designed for a guy like him, it should be this. Um, he should destroy every drop of it. The one thing, the reservation I do have with DK Metcalf is you talk to a lot of people who say, you know, look, you know, he might not give you what you want as a rookie, but by year two, well, if I'm drafting him top 20, no, I want it now. I don't want to wait till year two um that's why I drafted him in the top 20 because I needed a guy today that's the only reservation I have but and and maybe it could be something that he blows away by October 1st because you just look at the guy and I'm not sure how you're really going to defense him yet uh you know usually it seems you try to funnel him to the sideline he's weak there but I mean if you're going to jam him I mean you know you know his footwork isn't always great maybe he can get away with something there but, you know, where he's working, who he's working with is going to tell a lot. And, uh, you know, very, very impressive. I, I do agree on A.J. Brown. Production's there. The question's going to be, is, you know, is the athleticism going to be enough to see production similar to what you saw at Ole Miss? Loge, I like. Um, you know, Dawson Knox, that's that's a wild card here. But, guys, listen to me. I, you could just put in a card blindly at any point, point through the first four and a half rounds and just say, tight end, give me one. And you're, you're most likely going to get a player, because that's how deep the positional group is. Um, Ohio State with three here. And it's kind of funny. If you had looked at this, I'd say pre-senior bowl, you know, obviously Paris Campbell's name is going to stick out. Uh, you know, Obviously you know, Dixon's name from Ohio State is going to stick out as well. But you want to start defining guys, and you know what they're going to give you on an NFL roster. And then there's Terry McLaren, who did what he did down in Mobile, he should run fantastic. It seems like he's a very precise guy in everything he does. Uh, you don't, you know, you don't ace special teams at a Big Ten school like that without just putting that type of work effort towards everything you do. But uh, go ahead, Pete. Here, and we'll talk about uh, you know the three Buckeyes that are headed out to Indy. Uh,
0: this is enormous for Paris Campbell. Uh, he turned down the opportunity to go to the Senior Bowl. Uh, you know, you read into that what you will. Whether you're making the case that well he'd be better off working on his craft with a coach for however many months, or you're like me and you're going I think you're hiding because you know How
1: you can... how long are you gonna run from it, bro? How long are you gonna run from it?
0: Right. I I, I think he would have been I, I think he would have had a difficult time uh, dealing with the competition and, and, and those things this venue is built for these guys to dominate and Paris Campbell has to, I think Terry McLaurin will be very good. I I think he should also do well in the drills, but that's not really where my concerns are with Terry McLaurin. Uh, My concern is what does he do in traffic? I don't think he makes those plays that you'd like to see that guy make um, that that sort of give you that sense that he's going to be a guy, but at the same time, he could have you know a 10-year career being a fourth, fifth receiver and a great special teamer. I'm not sold on Paris Campbell. I don't think he ever lived up to the hype at Ohio State. I understand that he's younger than a lot of players, uh, went, went to school early, which is good, but he always leaves you wanting more. Uh, for all the athleticism and, and skill he has – I think he. I worry if I'm, you know, somebody picking him for as high as he's likely to go, which is is people are having him go as high as day two, potentially the second round. I don't think you're going to get that immediate payoff. I don't think you're going to get enough. I think he's a guy that you're, you know, you you're hoping gives you a couple splash plays a game because he's so athletically gifted and, and it's not that he's just fast he's very big physically strong at the position um, and he will look great uh, in, in Indianapolis in, in terms of just physically so he should crush this and he has to because that, that's w- really what he's riding on is, is that his physical skill set is going to sort of make people overlook some of the issues he had at Ohio State and, and with drops and some of those other things that he's just not a very polished player and you've got to show enough that you're going to convince a team that it's, you know, get those 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 coaches and those scouts to basically talk themselves into, I can make it work, I can make it happen with him. Um, but to me, I, I just have this lasting impression that he's basically going to break your heart and you're never going to get as much out of him as you hope uh, for where he's likely to get picked.
1: And, and I agree there. And uh, we, you know, we spoke to, uh, spoke with Connor Rogers last week of uh, Stick to Football and obviously Bleacher Report. And the thing with a guy like Paris Campbell is if you're the Browns it's it's win now. And I- unless you're unless you can get him in the 6th round and maybe he doesn't suit up every week but somebody else is going to gamble early. And and Connor agree with me. I don't want to spend 18 months teaching this guy the nuances of the position. And this certainly apply, uh, applies to the Browns. You are not in these positions anymore. You want guys who are ready to go out of the gate So that's where it takes Campbell out of here. Um, If I were to say of one of these three Buckeyes, yeah, McLaren looks like a nice fit because you think he should be able to do his receiving job when he's called upon. You know he's going to have a role, obviously, as a gunner on punt, which also puts him in line, obviously, you know, to play outside contain on the kickoff team, maybe even a gunner there. Um, He embraces it. He brings it. Uh, of these three, that would be the guy I'd want. And, um, guys, we're going to just kind of take this through alphabetical order here through the sheets because, look, this is the way it works in the combine. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I'll tell you right now, uh, you know, first uh, receiver wearing wide receiver one will be Arcega uh, Whiteside out of Stanford. Um, so, yeah, But that's the way it works. These guys, you know, they, it goes down the order in alphabetical order. But from this first group, the guys that we haven't mentioned yet, um, we're talking with Matt Waldman today. Uh, apparently, Matt Waldman is uh, Hakeem Butler out of Iowa State. Our buddy Matt Waldman is—he said the, the crush level is almost on a Nick Chubb level, so that definitely raises some eyes. The thing with Butler though is, is you know, because he's gonna show up, he's gonna—the measurements are gonna be fantastic. We're gonna hear about the hand size and everything, but there are some drops to his game. But he's 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 a hard hard dude to cover at his size and his athleticism.
0: Sure, um, he's. Physically imposing, and the highlights are breathtaking. I mean, you know, he's got clips where he catches a ball, goes up, catches a ball, lands, basically runs through three guys, you know, hurling one and, like, running through tackles of others and getting the end zone. Um, His inconsistency is, is what it is. You basically have to make that deal with the devil that he, he's going to make a couple big plays, but he's also going to miss a few big plays. Uh, and that, you know, historically has not been welcome in Cleveland. Uh, okay. You know, <laughs> you make, you, you drop the ball and you're, you, you know, you're unless your name's Jarvis Landry, then you are public enemy. Number one. I mean, that's the problem is, is he could be, you know, and again, the, 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 the issues may be completely different, but Braylon Edwards was that type of guy, you know, who had an outstanding season with drops, um, but he also you know, had some mediocre seasons with those drops. And what are you willing to, to deal with, with Akeem Butler? But the other problem I have with Akeem Butler is there are other guys in this class that are going to give you a similar skill set that may not come with the price tag, that sticker price that you're paying for. And one of them could be Antoine Wesley out of Texas Tech. Um, You know, he has that similar massive big build, can go up and make plays and then do stuff after the catch. So, you know, it's not to say that you, you don't want to keep Butler. It's just that, and, and I think this is the case with this class, is, is, is there are so many different skill sets and such, but everybody has somebody that's sort of, you know, a guy you could potentially live with in a round later or two rounds later or whatever it is, there's always another guy with that skill set uh, that could be attractive enough to Dorsey and company where they're they're willing to wait. They they, they may address or they may address another position that they uh, grab another player they, they value more highly and be able to come back and grab another guy.
1: And you know and, and the one thing with Wesley is, you know, even with you know less of a you know a playing time log, may have better footwork. Uh, guys, iTunes rating reviews. Um, always appreciate them. Five star rating, written for you guys. Come on, man, take care of that for me, guys. Um, of this first group here, uh, and this is one name, and this is one that I've actually started to fall in love with. Um, and uh, Pete, I know you know Montel Hardy, I do too, guys. Uh, used to be in the writer community, now works down at Wake Forest University with the football program. Greg Dortch. Um, little surprising as a redshirt sophomore that he declared. But uh, you know, he put him right in with this Isabella Hollywood Brown crew. I mean, obviously, eventually, you know, there's going to be a pecking order of them. But Greg Dorch out of Wake Forest, um, and now an ACC program, not known, you know, but year in year out, now they've been putting out a competitive program. And this kid, fun, and with the ball in his hands, uh, you know, he's a guy uh, I've talked with, and hopefully, we'll get on the show. With the ball in his hands, uh, you can tell he, maybe he's a guy who's probably watching some Odell Beckham. He's got a little, you know. I mean, definitely the run after catch ability is there as well as as far as being anything within his area code. He seems to find a way to get get to.
0: Right, uh, and and you know, again with Baker Mayfield, that's the skill I want. I want yards after catch. I want guys who can can take a slant or whatever it is and, and be a threat after that. And and uh, Dorch. Is electric. I mean, if you throw on a highlight tape of this kid, you will have fun. He's just unbelievable. His agility and quickness, and his stop-start and his ability to shift, all that stuff is incredible. He's a a really, really natural punt returner, and he's certainly a threat in that game. And and he's got speed. Um, He's not as thick as as these guys like Isabella and Penny Hart. Well, in the same respect, he's not going to be 21 until the end of
1: May, so, I mean... Right, no, I, I mean, mean Yeah, you don't want to discount that. It makes sense if he
0: isn't. And and the other part of that, he's not a waif either. He may not be, like, a tailback-looking guy like these other dudes, but he's not, you know, he's not a skinny little dude. Like, he's yep. reasonably thick. He's just probably not going to be, you know, like Isabella Wade in a buck 86. I don't think we're going to see that from Dorch, Um But again, this is you know the the the, some uh, people who who are watching the Browns won't like Greg Dortch and these other guys because he's short. But (laughs) this fascination for the they're okay with a quarterback
1: who's barely six feet tall. But you need seven power forwards on the on, on the field along with him. It's
0: hysterical. And and the other part with with you know with with a guy like Dorch is uh, you know people will say he's just a slot receiver. I don't buy it. I'm sorry. I I think he especially if you you know you know my dream and and you know the dream you've adopted is is you get a guy like TJ Hawkinson in the first round and you can have that I can't believe uh, you sold me on this one, but yeah. and, and now <laughs> I'm to the point where
1: I just know he's not even going to be there at 17. And that's how aggravated now. I am. Because Dane Brugler Day puts out well. No, there's about three teams in the top ten who are absolutely are coveting him. So it's like, okay, yeah, that
0: dream's over. So, you know, if, if you can get past the fact that this dude's probably going to be about five nine, uh, and but you just ninety,
1: maybe. But he's not even twenty one.
0: But I, all I would say is, he's another one. Just watch him play. Just watch him play. He's so fun. He's so electric. He just looks like he'd be a great fit, and the other thing, he's got some Yep, I'm with you there. Love it, like I, you know, he's going to come off probably, you know, if you if you're playing against him, he's probably going to come off as cocky and brash. If he's on your team, mm. he's a guy who just mm. loves the sound, game. Sounds like somebody that quarterbacks this team. Yeah, I mean, so. Look, there's a bunch of these little dwarves. A couple of them aren't going to be at the combine. My guy is Zacchaeus and then Penny Hart. I, yeah, I don't know what happened to
1: Zacchaeus. That is just, I mean, when you put out that article today, I literally had a triple take and I checked again. Like, how? How do, I don't you, know. how do you get for, for 93 receptions for the production he put up? Yeah, you're not good enough to come to the combine.
0: Come twelve on. receptions, hundred yards, and three touchdowns in the bowl game against South Carolina. Who had a month? 93, 93, 93 receptions. I think over yeah. twelve hundred yards. Yeah, nah, you're not good enough. But in any case, uh, if you can get past the size, and you should watch this kid play. He's fun. I think he'll put on a show. I don't know if he'll put up. I don't know if he'll put up like a four-three type speed. He's got fast on the field speed. Uh, you know, as long as he's not like a four-five guy, you cannot be that small and run four-five. Uh, but I think his agility and his balance is amazing. So I think he's going to absolutely light up the shuttle and the three cone stuff. And I think I think he'll do well in drills. But yeah, he's just fun.
1: And uh, one of the ones that caught me was uh, you know he caught a deep post at about the eight, and the hand just went up to the crowd for the last eight yards. And i was just, like that I, like I, it always gets me. I I love the cockiness. I like the brash guys. You remember last year we talked about Jaree Alexander. You need some of those dudes on the field with you. not everybody likes to talk, not everybody loves to run their mouths. Uh, a great a player as Joe schobert is he's not the guy telling you all day long about how they're kicking your ass. but I do want some guys on my team who are telling you how bad that we're kicking your ass i, I want guys like that
0: well and, and again with that, you know this feeds into with like Baker Mayfield and stuff yep. you know they, they have that Napoleon complex. you are 5'9", listed one hundred and seventy pounds. You're going to Wake Forest. You know this is a guy who's likely been told his entire career that he's not big enough, and you know he feeds off that and he lets you know. So
1: he was one of the top players, in, one of the top players in the state of Virginia the year he came out. Uh, had you know phenomenal, phenomenal success there. Normally that translates to bigger offers. How did you end up at Wake Forest? Because you're five foot nine. That's how he ended up at Wake Forest. But hey, we'll take these guys that nobody else wants if they can play. That's fine. I mean, if you want to slate yeah, somebody here guess, for that,
0: the Braves could be the of island of misfit toys with all these kids that nobody else wants.
1: That's, that, well, I mean, it's not like all of them are misfit toys. I mean, you know that Miles Garrett guy. I think he's going to pan
0: out. Well, um, just on offense. Yeah,
1: well, there. That works. That works. That works. Um, and actually, I, you know, there are, there is yet a another trio here, and and this is it, it's just as staggering as the Ole Miss kids and you know University of Georgia. I don't know what in the world you're doing down there because you keep year in, year out bringing in all these five-star recruits at skill positions and you're still playing, I don't even know if it's 90s-style college football. You're throwing the ball maybe 20 to 25 times a game. You're running it. So you get this group and it's, uh, obviously you have you know Ryan Ridley, uh, obviously, uh, Michael, Hard- Michael Hardman, you have Terry Godwin. And it's the same issue with all of them. These guys looked at the really good athletes. It looks like they've really run solid routes. But nobody ever got a chance to show whether or not, and Pete, I know you love this term, nobody ever got a chance to show whether or not they're the dude. And this isn't going to change by going to the combine. And it's it's just so weird because year in, year out, the way recruiting goes in the SEC, it should be Georgia, Georgia, in Alabama, and not only should it be for the SEC Championship, with all the athletes that are going through Athens as well, it should be for the goddamn National Championship as well.
0: Yeah. Um, is tough. And, and they're another team where they've got three receivers and a tight end. Um, That's with, right.
1: With, and I think I like the tight end with, more of a, than any of them. Well, I like Hardman, but I think I like Hardman in a specific, you know, Devin Hester type I, role.
0: I, I, I need to find the type where Isaac Nata looks good. I watched him against LSU, and he looked like crap. So... I, I'm not loving anyone. But here's the argument. But this I, I,
1: happens when you don't get enough of a sample size. It makes it so tough to project these I, I'm guys because it's, it's like it, you look at the tape and it's almost like it's an incomplete. Like I you always feel like I didn't see enough. But it's
0: not their fault. No, 100%. But the argument I, I, I cannot deal with is are the people who basically blame Georgia for the fact that Riley Ridley and, and these other guys don't have the production. I'm sorry. That's crap the exact same quarterback, the exact same coaching staff were there last year. Javon Mims had plenty of production. They threw four less passing yards that that year with Javon Wims than they did this past year with Riley Ridley, McCole Hardman, and, and Terry Godwin. Uh, and none of them showed out. Your leading receiver had 570 yards. Granted, he had nine touchdowns. And I know there are people who l- love Riley Ridley. My case is that this – receiver class is just loaded with guys with a ton of production who look like they're going to be able to test. Well, I mean like a guy like Dylan Mitchell, I don't even have an opinion on this guy yet. I've, I've sort of glanced at him, but he's got a ton of production or, you know, Debo Samuel or Kelvin Harmon or, you know, Nikhil Harry. There's so many players that have all this production and you're trying to sell me on guys who don't just because they go to Georgia or because they're somebody's brother or because you like how they look physically I, I, I pass on those guys. I'm not interested. Like, unless you're talking about late day three, I'm gonna go get guys who were that the man, that were the dude, or or whatever. And, yeah. and some of these, in some of the cases, Old Dominion, Texas, you know, some of these other schools have two that were good enough to do that and generated the production to go with it. So, you know, I'm just, I'm not interested in any. The one, I, the one, you know, it's not the receiver, it's the tight end. I'm, I'm willing to be. You know, I'm willing to see what I can get with Nada, and, and if, if he can convince me he's a good player. The other guys, you know, they've got, like, Ridley has to crush the combine in the per day. He has to, because this is all he's got. This is, when he came to Georgia, this was his calling card. He was going to be the more physically impressive, impressive version of Riley Ridley, or of uh, Calvin Ridley. And it just, at least on the field, has not shown up that way. Other than than
1: the national championship he lost to his brother.
0: So these are guys who really have to make a statement in this type of environment because they don't have the resume that these other guys are going up against have. And that's the toughest part because, I mean, what it is is
1: if you're going to draft them when they're getting drafted, you are now asking them to give you more production than they've ever shown in their entire lives. But to do it against the toughest competition they've ever seen, and you know, there's a there's so much that goes on between market share and tape, and you know, Pete and I both live in a world where guys take every tool that's available, and use it, and use your determinations from there. But uh, when you look at any one of these Georgia wide receivers and the fact that the leading receiver at Georgia last year put up 510 yards, well, if I'm going to draft these guys top 64. 510 yards isn't going to be good enough. You're hoping closer, 800, 900, 1,000 yards. So now you are asking them to give you the best football they've ever played, production-wise, on the biggest stage against the best competition. There's a gamble there. It's it, it's literally it, it's a scratch-off lottery ticket. It may happen. It may not happen. It, you do not know. So do you feel more comfortable grabbing those guys lesser down the pipe? So you end up missing out on him? That's the way it works. It it does. Um, One name on this list, and guys, you know me, Pete, we've discussed Andy Isabella to death. But I do want to mention this name here, Jalen Hurd out of Baylor, uh, former running back from Tennessee. He's interesting from the fact that normally a guy like Jalen Hurd, when it didn't work out with Tennessee and he moved on, Pete, normally that's it. We don't ever hear from a guy like Jalen Hurd again. Went down to Baylor, whether or not he's got his act together that's a question. Sometimes, you know, there was a motivation aspect with Jalen Hurd, but you showed well. And the other thing though, is, uh, you know, Cordarell Patterson, you know, and I'm not saying Hurd is that type of athlete, but you get in a pinch, you can always say to Jalen Hurd, Hey, we're going to need you to take four or five carries here over this next four minutes of this ball game. Cause somebody's dinged up and he can do that, but he did show some nice receiving traits and he's got a big body he's tough to cover.
0: He's dense. Uh, you know, he played obviously. His when he went to Tennessee, first he was, you know, regarded so highly that that he got all the touches that Alvin Kamara should have gotten. Um, John Kelly, but he was, but he was 240 pounds. And then he, so so when he made that transfer and went to Baylor, and the, the announcement was he's going to receiver. The question was, well, wh- you know, what's that going to look like? He's still, like, 220, and he looks thin. Like, he looks – he he's just so remarkably dense in, in terms of his strength. Like, you know, he looks like a wide receiver. So, you know, what what that's going to actually translate to in terms of just how physically powerful he is as a receiver becomes interesting. And, and certainly there's, you know, uh, there's certainly benefits to that. And the fact that he was a 6'4 or whatever he actually is going to end up being – tailback now transitioning to the receiver he's also you know in addition to being strong he's he's physically big for it so you know in some ways I I think you almost lump him in and, and for different reasons in with that Paris Campbell thing like I think they're You know, in terms of how teams are going to view them, in terms of role, is going to be similar. Both guys are guys that you could hand the ball to if you wanted to, but they're also going to be receivers. Obviously, I don't. You know, Harris Campbell is going to be you know a freaky tester guy. I don't know if Hurd's going to be like that, but those are guys that you're sort of looking at going. You know, and Cordell Patterson's a great comparison for that. Is you know you want to get a couple carries, you want to find ways to get these guys the ball and let them produce for you. Yeah, he's absolutely a guy that fits in that category. Uh, and, and certainly, you know, the combine is going to be big for him in terms may, may be less about the physical uh, traits and more about what he does in interviews and things like that. And, you know, teams making the determination of how, the, how comfortable they are with him and, and basically making the determination if they want to now go learn more about him or if they're basically like, oh, we're good. We're, we're, we're going to move on from here.
1: You know, for me it's it's just interesting because look, I mean, when you're getting to 49, 50th, 51, 52 men on the roster, and look, you throw them out there with, you know, two tight ends, two wide receivers, and you know, a defensive coordinator saying, All right, that's the set, and they throw it out there, and all of a sudden you can put Jalen Hurd in the backfield and you have confidence enough to hand him the ball, it just, you know, creates chaos. It creates chaos on the defensive side of the ball which makes your life easier as a play caller it makes it easier for your quarterback. You always want to be one two steps ahead. A guy like that could possibly do that. Um we're going to move on here with a couple more names. Uh, I know you slipped him in here. Dylan Mitchell. What I watch of Dylan Mitchell, he kind of gives me a Keenan Allen vibe. Um it's not like it's like you you look at him and you don't think the athleticism is like oozing, but just constantly, you know, one step ahead, you know, he's zigging when they're zagging. Fun player and you don't normally see Many receivers out of Oregon where you're like, wow, watch this guy run the routes. You know, because a lot of, I mean, for years it's been, you know, track meet style, but this guy can run routes. Uh, He's slippery. Keenan Allen vibe is the kind, you know, maybe a little bit smaller, but that's the vibe I got watching Dylan Mitchell.
0: So, in addition to the fact that obviously, you know, he'll have an opportunity to show just how athletic he is, I really want to watch this kid in the drills because if you watch it, Oregon. You know, unless you have actual all twenty-two tape, it, it you know so much of it is you, you don't see what he's doing, and then all of a sudden he's wide open with like five yards of space. Um, so you know, I, I, you know, the, the combine in those drills, you know, I'd like to see his movement skills and basically how the sausage is made on why he's so wide open. Because if you watch it, you know, he's just always open, uh, and and nothing he's doing is. Is, is particularly eye popping he's almost boring uh, which is not to say it's a bad thing it, it may be he's just that good at it that he always just looks sort of easy um, he's a guy who's who seems to be more getting gaining steam up to this so this could be an opportunity for him to really you know give people to, a reason to be really excited about him uh, but this is sort of this is unfortunately, you know, a de- been a down year for the Pac-12, and and, and some of these guys uh, in that conference have sort of gotten lost in the shuffle a little bit. He's got an opportunity here to to really showcase that he's he, he's the man. And, and and the other part of this, he, he won't have the quarterback there, so he'll be catching passes from you know, well a lot of a lot of jamokes, uh <laughs> at, at the combine, and and you you want to see him in that in that uh, forum, you know. Is is he a product of what they had at Oregon, or is he his own dude? I think he's more unlikely to be his own man. Uh, Ton of production. I'd just like to see more of him in terms of just how he runs routes and creates separation.
1: And for him, maybe it was the right time because you know, as far as the program as a whole has kind of gone down, and the Pac-12 has gone down, maybe he got out at the right time. Uh, You know, we'll see if it you know picks back up. But, you know, in the same respect, though, if he were going through this process the same time as his quarterback at Oregon, there'd be a lot of talk of, well, you know, was it the quarterback? Was it him? He's going to get a chance to go stand on his own two feet and do it his way. Um, Your guy Stanley Morgan here uh, out of Nebraska, Pete. I know you're a fan. I mean, there were some weird stops. Apparently he was supposed to show up at the Shrine game. He didn't. I, I mean, like the player, I think, you know, day three, you've got something there. But go ahead. I, I know you're a fan.
0: So, first and foremost, you've got to vet that. You know, what happened? Why, you know, if he was supposed to be there. guys for-
1: like Dan Shonka say, we were expecting you to be there, and then Jeff Risden follows it up with, yeah, I talked to a Nebraska kid at the Shrine Bowl and asked him where Stanley Morgan was, and it led to a really odd conversation. Obviously, it was an issue.
0: <laughs> so, You've got to figure out what the deal is there. What happened? Um, Stanley Morgan, obviously second generation player. His dad was a big time player. uh, You know, in his career in Nebraska, and uh, you know, if you watch him on tape, Stanley Morgan feels like a guy who would fit really well with Mayfield. He he makes plays at all levels of the field. He's a guy who can go up and make plays down the field, and he can do things after the catch. Part part of the question I have with him is just how big is he? He looks like a reasonably thick kid, but it's going to be a question: is, is is he, you know, he's listed like six foot two hundred. I think is he really going to be like five, 10 and a half, 190, or whatever? And then you know we we need to see, you know, just how athletic he is. But yeah, you, you want to find out the answers to that stuff. Was there a legitimate snafu that prevented him from being there, or did the kid basically just, you know? Bail, and that certainly would be an awful look to have this opportunity to go showcase your skill set and tell them you're going to be there, and then just basically flake out on it. Um, and that would be, you know, certainly something NFL teams would be um, concerned about if that if that's the case. But he's got to answer that question, and you got to find out. But you know, from production on all those things, he he's got what you want to see out of a receiver like that. And and for what I expect, you know. You know, from John Dorsey is uh, given his track record, it wouldn't be surprised if he goes value shopping on day three again at receiver. Uh, and that could be character questions that could be you know guys just slipping or whatever because this class is so dense with talent. but uh, I would not be surprised at all if, if, if we're sitting there day three and the Browns go get somebody who, who is a perceived fall or whatever or somebody that they feel like really fits what Baker Mayfield does.
1: And the thing would be in that case is well, look, we have enough guys. Show us you're good enough to beat somebody out. Go take somebody's spot, and that's where a guy like Stanley Morgan would come in. Uh, guys, whether it's Instagram, whether it's Twitter, uh, Locked On NFL Network has their you know social media platforms there. Locked On NFL Net, everything is funneled through from all the 32 team specific shows, the fantasy shows, the draft shows. Matt Williamson's uh, Locked On NFL, you know, the hub of it all. Anything you would need, locked on NFL Net on IG and on Twitter. Go ahead, check us out over there as well. Um, brings us here. Now, this was a big name down in Mobile, Pete. Obviously, Debo Samuel. Um, we've had guys on the show rave about him. Um, solid physique, uh, quick footwork, in and out of routes. Uh, shows that there's some ability there to get deep. Um, it, it, and for me, Debo Samuel, it seems like we're talking about the 10th anniversary of his college career as he finishes a decade in the NCA and finally moves on to the NFL. But uh, did a lot to you know get himself prompting on the upward scale with a strong week in Mobile. We'll see if he can continue to do that next weekend when he works out and runs in an Indy.
0: Yeah, I, I continue to, to to like the comparison that he's basically clean Calloway. Um, he he was productive enough, wasn't wasn't. Eye popping in that regard, but in terms of he, he's he's a tailback turned receiver like Antonio Callaway, he's a guy who who owns the space when he runs a slant, but can get deep. Um, should be should be good in this format. It it should be an opportunity for him to to put up like a four four or something like that, and 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 really you know help his case. Uh, the question with Debo Samuel is medical. Um, he he had a bunch of injuries in South Carolina, none of them were like. You know, significant surgery type deal, and it may be just bad luck, uh, but that's something teams are going to want to vet and, and figure out, and have their doctors look at, and all that type of stuff. Because um, if he comes through that pretty cleanly, he could be a guy who sneaks up uh, into that second second day, second round area. and, and Probably not a real threat to go in the first round, but could be a really nice player that can come in and and, and make a early impact uh, compared to to some of the guys in this class. He just he runs a—you a, can see where you, what he would be doing for your team on Sunday pretty easily.
1: I have, I have zero doubts about that. And if you're looking here, Cleveland guys, were, guys are going to be added. Kind of happy with what's here. And another guy where yards after catch may apply, He, he I think he'd be a nice fit here. Um, we're going to close it out here. And, and I want to bring up this name again um, because uh, Antoine Wesley out of Texas Tech, there's going to be a lot of one-year wonder— Type of talk, which I get. That's fair. Um, the testing's going to be huge because the foot footwork looks good inside the red zone. He's able to go chase down the ball deep. Um, going to be curious of the speed, the vert, the forty speed. I don't think it's going to be fantastic. Three cone and things of that nature are, are ones you're probably going to be looking for. But again, here this is an intriguing guy. Six five? No, probably you know. I'd say you know a little under six foot four. But can go up and get it, uh, you know, tracks the ball well. Very, very interesting player.
0: Right. Um, he, outstanding production, great year for him. Uh, if you watch him run, he's a man who gets those knees up. He is the high knee runner. Very impressive. In, the Roger in, Craig. Yeah, very impressive in traffic in terms of being able to, he's shifty. Um yeah, I don't know if he's going to put eye-popping 40 up there, but he may do really well in terms of agility, uh, which is more important for a guy. It. I wouldn't be stunned if he didn't run it. I wouldn't either. Uh, but agility testing is where he could actually really help himself, uh, and, and, and that becomes more important for a guy with that kind of size is your ability to separate, your ability to operate in traffic, and he looks like he has those. And in that respect, he could be with the uh, – the Akeem Butler's and potentially a guy like uh, Nikhil Harry, they're all in sort of that group of may not test eye popping in the forty, but they all do stuff after the catch and they all have nifty feet. Nikhil Harry, that that's sort of what he is: uh, big body with with quickness and short area. That 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 is what makes these guys interesting. Um, but uh, certainly for for those people who are who are Pushing for jump ball type receivers, you know, this is this is what this guy can do. Uh, I think he offers you more than that, but but certainly he's a guy that's gaining popularity uh, heading up to this and, and could really give give reason to keep that steam going if he has a productive week.
1: Yeah, I mean, certainly could uh, give a lot more credence to his case um, with a solid workout and showing in indie. and for. All these the jump ball enthusiast guys, Baker Mayfield doesn't really throw jump balls. That would be more of well, Josh Allen in Buffalo. He throws. Well, them they do, balls.
0: but <laughs> David Njoku caught them all. Exactly. Another one for it.
1: Yes, and so did Nick Chubb on a ball that hit the player yeah. in the back. So I think we've got that handled, guys. So don't put too much credence into that. Um, guys, uh, Pete Smith actually put out a uh, great piece today over NFL Spin Zone with uh, fifteen guys. Uh, in his opinion, who should have very high value, who won't be an Indy, a couple linebackers on that list. And guys, uh, yeah, the cream of the crop of the linebacker position is probably going to be day three. So I suggest you read Pete's article over there. Make sure you're following him. Follow the Lockdown Browns Twitter account. We always keep it follow back, guys. Follow me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. We're going to do, obviously, more of these. We'll get you almost every position covered before we head out to, before we cover the, uh, you know, before the Combine kicks off next weekend. Lots of other great stuff mixed in. Uh, I appreciate you all for the listenership. Uh, I appreciate you all for following along. Um, we're just continuing here trying to put out good stuff, quality stuff here. I know you guys have loved the Mock Draft episodes. If you haven't gotten to that, that though, uh, those, um, I do have a tweet there on my timeline, which has the uh, final episode, which was 21 to 32. But you'll also find links for the other, uh, the first two. All, all those shows seem to do really well. Glad you guys are enjoying those. Um, so that will put a wrap on this, guys. Uh, until the next time, LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.